Hey everybody, this is Father John Ricardo with Acts 29, and in the middle of all the craziness and the uncertainty that's going on right now, it seems from our perspective as a team that it's worth using these days to reflect in a more deliberate way on the scriptures every day, which for many of us now is the only spiritual food that we're receiving. And so we're going to do a special podcast series simply entitled, Be Not Afraid, God's Word in Uncertain Times. And we'll try to post something every day, usually reflecting on the scriptures so that we can listen in on what God is trying to say to us in these days. I mentioned on Saturday a book which was just recently published by the University of Mary entitled From Christendom to Apostolic Mission, subtitled Pastoral Strategies for an Apostolic Age. I likewise encourage people to run to buy this book. It's available on Amazon. Some folks have asked who the author is. There is no uh, author to it. Uh, It's just published by the University of Mary. It is an exceptional work, and again, I want to plead with people not only to buy it for themselves, but to consider buying it for uh, their pastor um, or associate pastor, because it's uh, a deeply significant work for trying to help the church navigate how to live in this time that we're in right now, a time which has been called by many people not so much an era of change, but a change of eras, and that was happening before COVID hit, and now since COVID's hit, it is really a change of eras. So I shared an excerpt from this book on Saturday. I want to share another one today just to continue to give you a flavor for this book, and because it it fits so perfectly in with where we are, uh, both in the liturgical season and in the readings that we're getting from Mass The liturgical season is we're drawing nearer and nearer both to the Feast of the Ascension and to the Feast of Pentecost, the sending out of the church into the world in which she lives for the purpose of sharing the gospel with those who, until they know the gospel, are stuck in the nightmare that is life apart from God. So here's another excerpt, and then I'll just make a concluding remark after I share this. It says, the church from the time of its founding by Christ has ever been surrounded by conflict and engaged in struggle. At every point, the one who came as light into darkness to establish a kingdom of truth and love has been opposed by the darkness. The light continues to shine. Its origin is in God himself, and the darkness cannot overcome it. But the extent of that light, the way it sheds its rays, the kind of opposition it encounters, and therefore the means it uses to keep its light shining and shed its influence abroad, changes from place to place and age to age. It is therefore important for those who are members of Christ's body, who share in his divine life and are called by him to be the light of the world, to take thought for the times in which they live and to devise pastoral and evangelistic strategies suited to those times. This is a task for every generation. But when social arrangements and the influence of the church on the societies she inhabits are relatively stable, relations and strategies may hold good over a long period of time. In an age of change, The church needs to pay attention to the modes by which she carries on her graced battle 
to be sure she is not, quote-unquote, fighting the last war, using strategies that, for whatever reason, are outmoded and have become ineffective. For a time that could be called a change of the ages, this duty becomes urgent. We are currently living in such a time. We are watching many long-standing arrangements and relations being altered, sometimes with surprising rapidity. It will be seen that the key battles our culture faces are intellectual ones. This fact can be hidden by the obvious moral character of some of them, but it's true nonetheless. Every age has been sorely tempted to sexual immorality. It's been left to our age to construct a sophisticated intellectual justification for sexual profligacy. Profligacy. How about that for a word? All times have known the temptation to be cruel to children, whose existence was inconvenient for the adults who cared for them. Only our age has devised a way of thinking that has made the murder of children acceptable and even an act of moral goodness when enlisted in the campaign for personal autonomy. Every age has suffered from human pride and overreaching. Only in our age have humans developed technologies and mindsets that are bent on recreating the human genetically and robotically from the ground up. These are intellectual wounds. And those who hope to make a Christian appeal to the members of modern societies need to mount an intellectual counterattack, not primarily an academic one. Most of our academic institutions are so decayed, apart from technical training, that little of wisdom or light is to be hoped from them. They deform rather than enlighten the minds of those who come under their influence. Rather, what is needed is the sort of intellectual life that was characteristic of the church in her early centuries, a life possessed to some degree by every Christian, not a matter of college degrees, but of conversion of the mind to a Christian vision of reality and the readiness to live out the ramifications of that vision a compelling Christian narrative is called for, one that provides a counter to the secular vision that helps Christians understand and fend off false gospels. There needs to be a re-articulation of the truth that can provide those who are languishing under the malnourishment of the modern spiritual diet a way out of their predicament. That's again a quote from this book from Christendom to Apostolic Mission. This is one of the main reasons why we have found that one of the three, what we call essential principles for transformation in the church, is to reacquire a biblical worldview. Most Christians don't have a biblical worldview, let alone the world doesn't have a biblical worldview. And this is why we've tried to find a creative but compelling way to share the gospel, which we reduce to four words, created, captured, rescued, and response, which you can find more on on our homepage, acts29.org, A-C-T-S-X-X-I-X.org. On that website, you'll see three videos from a retreat that we did in Kansas City back in February, which again, if you haven't had a chance to watch, maybe these would be helpful because they try to give the gospel, again, in a compelling way, which helps to shape the mind to answer the big questions which determine how we live our lives. So let's continue to pray 
in these days that we're living in, that God will give us the mind of his Son, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, whose feast we're about to celebrate on Pentecost, we might have renewed minds, that we might see reality accurately, that he would heal the deformities in our vision. This is what it really means to repent, to change the way we think. Let's trust that God is eager to do that in us so that we can then, in a compelling way ourselves, share the gospel with the world around us, mindful that only in Jesus is our real hope. But because it is in him, and because he is Lord, do not be afraid. He's with you, and you were born for this. 